This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Well, I'm sure that uh, since you're in the house of the Lord, you brought your Bibles, and uh, I would go ahead and ask you to open them to the book of Philippians, New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 1. For the last week or so, the matter of prayer has just been kind of gnawing at me. And it's kind of a different way to say that, but it has. And, and, and just being very transparent, I kind of shared with my pastor's prayer partners this morning as we gathered for prayer, but I, I've been convicted over my prayer life um, that I believe is too shallow and, and too ineffective. But not only have I felt that God was talking to me about me, <clears throat> I felt that He was talking to me about you. Um, in fact, throughout the week, it just seemed that God kept putting little confirmations, whether it was in my devotional reading or just, you know, confirmations in my path that this was a topic that we all needed to study together. And so today I want to focus on, on one of Paul's prayers found in the New Testament book of, of Philippians. Now, when it comes to Paul's, pra- Paul's prayers, and I've never researched this until this past week, but, um, I, uh. I came across what could be considered 43 different prayers that were recorded in his writings. There might be more that I missed or some that I consider to be a prayer. You might not classify it as a prayer, but I'm comfortable saying that we have at least 43 different recorded prayers of the Apostle Paul. Um, And his prayers were so vastly different than ours. Uh, Our prayers, my, my prayers are far from the prayers that Paul prayed. You know, our prayers today are largely for ourselves, you know, for our comfort, for our health, for material things, uh, you know, to be able to afford to get a new car, a new house. Uh, our, our prayers always include bless us and protect us and help us and guide us and lead us and direct us, and, and those are okay prayers. But if you take those words out of our prayers, then we would do a lot of stuttering and saying a lot of um. These are not bad prayers. Uh, But as a whole, those are not the types of prayers that Paul prayed, nor are they the types of prayers that Jesus prayed. In fact, out of those 43 prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed, I don't remember seeing the words bless us or bless me even one time. Now, before we look at uh, just one of Paul's prayers, and and don't worry, we're not going to begin a 43-part series on prayer uh, but, but I want to set the stage for our scripture. At the writing of this letter to the Philippian church, Paul is in prison in Rome. You know, a few years ago, we, we took a group from this church to, to Israel and, and uh, traced the footsteps of, of, of Jesus there in Israel. And then on the way home, we stopped off in Rome and we traced the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. But while in Rome we saw the dungeon where it's believed that Paul, and they don't know for sure, but it's believed that Paul might have been held captive. And and this dungeon is is called the Mamertine Dungeon or the Mamertine Prison. And and there's a picture of it right there. But but here in this Roman dungeon, and it might have been that he was transferred to another house under house arrest. We don't know for sure, but, but more than likely Paul's life is in limbo. He knows that he could very well be executed at any moment. But unlike the way that we would have responded, Paul is not pushing buttons through attorneys or, or the court system to get released. Nor is Paul stressing and losing sleep. On the contrary, he's calm. You know, today we would say 
he's he's chilling. Uh, He's at peace. And and he's using his time to write letters to some of the churches that he has planted over the years. And, And this letter was to the church at Philippi that he had started about 10 years ago, 10 years prior. And he knows this may very well be his last communication with the church at Philippi. So he's choosing his words carefully, and he's trying to say everything that was on his heart. I remember when my mom was uh, getting close to passing. And one day, while I was alone with her, I sat down on the side of, of the bed with her, and I, I began talking with her. And I don't know how much of what I said she could hear, understand, but this was not really so much for her as it was for me. So I just said it. But as I talked to her, I said, Mom, I just want you to know I love you. And it was emotional as I tried to communicate to her that she had been instrumental in my decision to choose Jesus. And, and, and I, I expressed my gratitude for everything that she had done for me. I did my best to honor her because I knew that the next time we would communicate would probably be on the other side of the grave. And I kind of think that's what Paul is doing. Naturally, he hoped to, to be able to see them again. And some scholars actually believe that he might have. But just in case, Paul wanted to say everything that was on his heart. So here's what Paul wrote to this church while under arrest. Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. You kind of sense the warm fuzzies there that that Paul is is feeling because he had known these people for about 10 years, many of them 10 years, and, and they were his friends. So it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He said, man, I wish I could see you. I've got this affection for you. I wish I could be there for you. And so this right here is where his prayer begins. Verse 9, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, the the prayer's not over, but let me stop and and point out something that I find unique to Paul's prayers. Paul had his own style of praying. We do too. You know every Sunday morning that my prayers will include certain elements or phrases. You know that every Sunday morning I'm going to say, and all the people said, amen. Amen. And there are other distinctive phrases that are just part of my prayer time. And and even if I'm praying alone, a lot of times I say those phrases. That's that's my unique style. And and you have your own style as well. I've heard some of you pray. And and, uh, so I've kind of learned that some of you have certain ways that you pray. Um, Paul was the same way. In fact, in, in 19 of his recorded prayers, he prays for something, and then he includes some form of the words, so that, so that. So in this prayer, he said, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And then true to form, Paul says in verse 10, so that, in other words, here's the reason we need more knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, these two verses have so much packed into them, we could get an entire series out of these, phrase, out of these phrases. He prays for us to have knowledge and depth of insight so we could discern what is best. That could be week one of a series, and we all need discernment. Then Paul said that so we might be pure and blameless. That could be another week. And boy, do we ever need prayers for purity these days. And then he said so that we could be filled with the fruit of righteousness. There's another week, another great need in our world. This prayer doesn't have a bit of filler in it. You know, our prayers, my prayers, we, we, we insert fillers and bless and guide and all of these things. And Paul's prayers were all meat. Sorry if, if that offends you vegans, but all meat. Paul prays for us to have spiritual depth, which leads me to say that I fear that Christianity in our country has become a shallow Christianity. First of all, we're shallow in the area of our knowledge. And I realize that our knowledge of the Bible and our knowledge of God doesn't save us, but it does help us to be able to stay grounded in biblical principles and, and helps us to not be led astray to false doctrines that are everywhere. Did you know false doctrines are everywhere? Even in people that call themselves Christians, there are false doctrines. And the sad truth is that we're so shallow in our knowledge that we can't defend our faith. And so those people that come to our door, knock on our doors... And give you a little tract and present a gospel where it says that there's no hell. We can't defend our position because we don't know. Or when a couple of guys come by with the same color of shirt on. And try to say that there's someone else on the level of Jesus Christ. Many times because we're so shallow, we can't defend our faith. And these visitors at our door can back us into a corner in nothing flat. So, so we're shallow in our knowledge, but, but we're also shallow in our depth of commitment. It doesn't take long to see that. Just look at our calendars, look at our checkbooks, look at our priorities, and we can see that commitment to Christ is largely one of convenience. Everything else seems to take precedence over our commitment to God. We're also shallow when it comes to our prayer life. And even though we pray, I think if I would ask you, do you pray? I think most of you would say, oh yeah, I pray every day, but rarely do we pray prayers of depth. And that's where I was convicted this past week. We don't pray scripture. One of the, one of the deepest forms of prayer is to be able to pray scripture. We, we, we truly rarely get involved in intercession for lost people. Rarely do we fast and pray. It seems that our prayers, whenever I ask you, do you pray? You say, yes, I pray. But our prayers are on the run, and we don't prepare ourselves for that prayer time. And again, I'm talking about myself. So it seems that most of us are very shallow in our prayer life. Now, to lead us into our study, let me just give you one of the ways that I study Scripture. And I'm just kind of giving you a, a tip how I, how I study. I ask questions. I'm a question asker. And so I look at these words of Paul where he begins his prayer by asking that our love would abound more and more. The first question that comes to my mind is, okay, Paul, what kind of love are you talking about? Because today we use the love word love for so many things. We say, man, I love you. We love our families. We talk about loving this feature in our car. Or we say we love our coffee or we love milk chocolate with almonds or this time of year, and I've heard several people say, I love the weather. And all the people said, isn't it beautiful? I love the weather. So what kind of love is Paul referring to? Well, Paul is talking about a type of love that is from the heart of God. And 
And the wording that Paul uses here for love carries the idea that this love will completely transform the way that we look at life and we will begin to see spiritual things that maybe we've never seen before. An example here that may seem silly, and I think I used the example several years ago, but let me throw this logo on the screen. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that company before. Um, and, And again, many of you already know this and have seen this, but there may be a few of you that have never realized there's an arrow in the text of this logo. How many of you cannot see the arrow just well no I don't want to embarrass you um, can you find the arrow once you see it you'll always see it I'll give you a hint it's on the screen <laughs> how about right there there is the arrow and some of you just be honest I mean we're, we're all friends here how many of you have never seen that arrow before? Just, you know, there, there are a lot of us. We've never seen, never seen the arrow. Now, uh, just black that out for a minute. Uh, the arrow was there the whole time. But you never noticed it. But I dropped a little bit of knowledge, and you saw it. Now, now put it back on the screen again. And now that arrow seems so prominent. It's like, Duh. I can't believe I have never seen that arrow. And you'll probably never see the FedEx logo the same way you saw it before. And and I know that's a silly illustration, but Paul is basically saying that when you have God's love abound more and more, then it will completely transform the way that you see things. And all of a sudden, God's word will take on a new dimension and, and you will experience not only knowledge, but you'll get a glimpse at the very character of God and You will no longer just view your walk with God from a God bless me mentality and God help me to be able to afford a new SUV and God please help me to get a nice buck this deer season. Rather the love of God will grow in you more and more and you will leave shallow Christianity behind and you will begin to see God, truly see God and experience God in a new way. Now here's what we're going to do uh, for the rest of our study. We're going to segue into part of a message that I preached several years ago and I, I realize that most of you don't remember what I preached last week, uh, much less 10 years ago, and I don't either. It, it seems that right after the final amen is said on Sunday, my mind is already looking towards next Sunday. So if you reference my message, I say I can't remember what I preached, and so I know you guys are the same way. But for some reason, over the years, this is a message that God seems to have embedded in my mind and in the minds of a few of you because you've referred to this at different times. And so uh, if you would just allow me to pull something from the archives and dust it off a little bit, because this dovetails with our topic so perfectly, and it has to be with praying six prayers that I've called dangerous prayers. If you want to grow up spiritually, if you want to get off the spiritual bottle, if you want to grow deep in your relationship with Jesus, Praying these six prayers will start you on that journey. And and I want to warn you, these prayers are dangerous. Don't pray them unless you're ready to be humbled and convicted and you're ready to make changes. The first dangerous prayer, just a two-word prayer, is search me. 
Now, this prayer is dangerous because if you pray this prayer, regardless of how mature you are in the Lord, most of us, probably all of us, will find that we still have some junk in our lives, some attitudes, some addictions, some habits that need to be confessed and turned from. You know, this past week in my devotions, I've been working through the Old Testament, and I was in 2 Kings, and, and I came to chapter 17, and I came across a scripture that actually just stopped my Bible reading right in my tracks. And I didn't go any further. I meditated on the scripture. And, and, uh, and then the next day, whenever I opened my Bible again to read, I started right there and just meditated on it. It was a two-day scripture. Uh, but, but here's what this scripture said that really got to me. It says that even though the people worshiped the Lord, they still followed their own gods. Wow, that, that was so convicting to me. How many people do we have that worship the Lord? They say, I love the Lord. But then you look at their lives. They're following their own priorities. Our own interests. And that's why we need to pray this prayer, search me. Now, now this prayer obviously comes from a familiar psalm, Psalm 139. It was one that King David prayed. And you, you recognize it there. It says, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my thoughts. Some translations say, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And, and I wish we had the time to read the entire psalm to, to get the entire context, but, but we don't. So let me just give you some of the background. In the verses before we get to verse 23, we find that David is reflecting on the greatness of God. In fact, he begins the psalm by saying, you know everything, God, and he does. That there's nothing that confuses you about what's going on in the solar system, and, and God knows everything. If you want a fancy word that theologians use for that, it's the word omniscient, all-knowing, omniscient, all-knowing. Well, then a little later in that psalm, as David is reflecting on God's greatness, a thought just warms his heart. He says, oh God, how precious are your thoughts about me? How often you think about me? If I should think how often and count them, listen, your thoughts would outnumber the sand of the seashores. Wow. That, isn't that huge? David's saying, that's how often you think about me. So God, you're not only this omniscient or all-knowing God, but you're another big word, omnipotent. You're all-powerful. And he said, you think about me so many times that if I tried to number how many times you had thoughts about me, it'd be like counting the grains of sand on the seashore. It's again as if that just gives David the warm fuzzies. And David is just kind of caught up in the wonder of God's greatness. But then there's an abrupt turn in the psalm that catches you by surprise. And from how wonderful are your thoughts about me, they're as numerous as the sands of the seashore. He changes and says, oh, oh God, your enemies are my enemies. It's as if all of a sudden it strikes him that there are people walking around. They're, they're ignoring God. They're taking God for granted. And, and so David gets a bit defensive and, and basically says, oh God, it really disturbs me that there are people walking around ignoring you. That's when David stops a second time. And it's almost like there's a bit of a cloud that settles down over David. And he begins to wonder. I, I, I wonder if there might be a little pocket of rebellion or disobedience in my life. 
And at that point, he prays the prayer, search me, O God. Know my heart. Look inside of me. God, is there any disobedience? Yes, I worship the Lord, but am I one of those that's still following after some of the gods? Search me, O God. My question to you is, when was the last time you prayed a search me prayer? And let me just say this again. You'd better not pray that prayer unless you're willing for the Holy Spirit to show you something in your life that needs to be confessed and turned from. Because most of us, again, we probably have attitudes, actions, unforgiveness, spiritual shallowness that God will address in our lives. The second dangerous prayer is a follow-up to the first. You almost have to pray the second one if you're going to pray the first. It's break me. Ecclesiastes 3.3 says there's a time to build up, then there's a time to be broken. You know, throughout our walk with God, God is faithful to prune us and refine us and reveal some things in our lives that need to be broken. And you remember the story in the New Testament, uh, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and she was dragged and thrown in the dirt in front of Jesus. And the religious leaders of that day were hoping that Jesus would condemn her and stone her. And, and, and you remember the account where, where Jesus turned the tide and, and condemned the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. And he said, those of you without sin cast the first stone. But then the last words he says to this woman are, I'm not going to throw any stones at you, but you need to go and sin no more. In other words, lady, you need to break out of this pattern of immorality. It's, it's not enough to pray, forgive me prayers every night and then repeat the same sin again the next day. Jesus said, you need to break away from that sin. And if we read the Bible all throughout it, we see where God gives us disciplines that we need to take on. And then we see patterns and habits that we need to put off or break away from. Sometimes what needs to be broken is a spirit of fear that controls us. Do you realize that fear can be a sin when it consumes us and controls us? Sometimes what needs to be broken is a spirit of discouragement that came over me just a couple of days ago. And it's just like a dark cloud that hangs over me. So sometimes we need to pray, God, break this spirit of discouragement. There may be other times when we need to pray, God, break within me a spirit of jealousy or unforgiveness, negativity or criticism. It seems that there's always something in my life that needs to be broken in order for me to keep growing in the Lord. And here's what I found. Sometimes God will break us gently. That's the way I like. He'll help us break out of a habit or an addiction or a sinful action. You can put it behind you without too much pain. But other times I found that God will sometimes break us in ways that hurt. And there may be pain. There may be embarrassment. But, but when we're finally able to break free and get beyond it, we look back and see how God used that pain or humiliation so that as the Apostle Paul prayed, we would grow in knowledge and depth. Or there's a third prayer that will help us grow in our walk with God, and that's the prayer, stretch me. Now, most of us don't like to be stretched, and the older we get, speaking from experience, you know, we don't like change. We get set in our ways, and, and so I say this, talking about older people, not you, but we, you know, we in the older age group are typically the ones that do the most complaining around a church. How does that make us feel as older people? Help us, Lord. But that's not always true. Sometimes the younger set, they're the complainers demanding. But regardless of our age, we have our moments. And, and most of us don't like to be stretched and pushed out of our comfort zones and routines. But I remind you that the Holy Spirit is in the business of change. 
and the Holy Spirit is always stretching us in one way or another, He doesn't always do things the same way. You know, I've reminded you at different times that Jesus didn't always heal blind people the same way every time. One time Jesus spit on the ground and took the mud from that uh, took the mud from that spit and put it in someone's eyes and the guy was healed. Another time Jesus touched a blind man's eyes, he was healed. Another time Jesus spoke the words and he was healed. And if that would have happened today, I told you we would have had three new denominations formed. The Spittites, the Touchites, and the Speakites. That's just the way we are. We think that God is limited in the way that we see him work and that he can't work other ways. And so, as Christians, we run the danger of getting so set in our ways to where we will not allow the Holy Spirit to stretch us and do a new thing in our church. Isaiah forty-three nineteen says, For I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? And I've come to the point where I'm ready for God to do a new thing in my life. I, I've come to the point where I want God to do a new thing in this church. I want God to stretch us as Jabez prayed, oh God, expand or stretch our borders. You know, I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to pray for patience because God will make me go through difficult times to teach me patience. And, and I know sometimes we're joking, but sometimes we're not joking. But that kind of attitude hinders spiritual growth. You know, we as, we as shallow Christians want life to be all about honey and no bees, but, but without the bees there will be no honey. So I challenge you to pray this dangerous prayer, God would you please stretch me? The fourth dangerous prayer that will help us grow deeper with God is lead me. I, I believe some of us are missing out on the greatest adventure of our lives because we want to lead ourselves. But you know, you know what? I've come to learn we're horrible at leading ourselves because we can only see right now, today. God can see yesterday, today, and forever. So he knows best when it comes to mapping out the route for our life. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to have missed those years that God led us in Bolivia. I, I loved our time there. I, I didn't ever want to leave Bolivia. I love the country. I love the people. I love the food. I love the mountains. I love the jungles. I loved our ministry. I didn't care if we ever came back to the States again. I was born there. That's my place of birth. But God of all things led us from that ministry that we love it was a ministry that God had blessed. It was a large ministry where on some, some given Sundays at conferences, I would speak to more people in one service than we have in the entire city limits of Eldorado Springs. For some reason, God moved us from that ministry that we loved to small town USA. And it was almost like, God, why would you do that? And, and I know some of you, after 27 years, you're saying the same thing. God, why did you do that? But listen to me, just as I wouldn't have wanted to miss our years in South America, neither would I have wanted to miss our years in Eldorado Springs. I loved our time here. I, I love the people. I love the food. I love the terrain. I don't love the water. I don't love the ticks. I don't love the chiggers. But besides that, this is an amazing place with amazing people. I'm so thankful that my life on earth came through Eldorado Springs. And I don't know where God will lead us next. Maybe it'll be to a tiny, struggling country church. Maybe it'll be to a city church. I hope not, Lord. <laughs> not to the city. 
I'm not a city boy. I, I don't know where God will lead us next. He may even lead us off into the sunset, into retirement. But wherever he takes us, it will be good. It will be good for us, and it will be good for you. I don't ever want to come to the place of charting my own future. I want God to lead me. So even though you may be all dug in, you may be comfortable, I challenge you to pray this dangerous prayer of God, lead me. If that means being led out of your current career and into another, so be it. If that means helping feed the rowdy kids on Wednesday night or leading a small group, let it happen. If that means to serve people of of another socioeconomic group, so be it. If that means you need to take the scary step of tithing, let God lead you as you take that step of faith. I promise you, I promise you, when you follow God's leadership, you will be in for an unforgettable adventure that will cause you to grow as never before in your walk with God. The fifth dangerous prayer is that of, use me. This prayer is probably my least favorite prayer because when we pray this prayer, we're essentially giving God the green light to use us. Not how we want, but how he wants, even if it's completely out of our comfort zone. And I'll I'll admit, you know, I I told you, I'm a shy boy. You know, I can put on a front, up front, but I'm a shy boy. I'm I'm backward. I'm I'm not comfortable in, in, in crowds. And so most every aspect of my ministry here is out of my comfort zone, um, Everything I do up front is out of my comfort zone. Every time I come up here to pray or preach, I'm out of my comfort zone. Sometimes my heart feels like it's going to beat out of my chest. Even after 27 years, there's still that anxiousness. Every funeral I preach is out of my comfort zone. Yesterday I had uh, memorial services for four people at one time. Uh, That was out of my comfort zone. Never done that before. Um... For family in this church and relatives had died up to 35 years ago and they had their remains their ashes and so they wanted to have one common service i'd never done that before and um they're probably watching i was honored to do it but it was out of my comfort zone uh, thursday i had the the funeral service for wayne downer it'll be out of my comfort zone this is a man that i respected so much he's been here in the church years until just a couple of years ago his wife died he moved to springfield to be with his son Saturday, I have a wedding. I get more nervous at weddings than probably at any other place. It will be out of my comfort zone. Um, a few years ago, I was asked to do a wedding for a Hindu couple. It was out of my comfort zone. I, I accepted. I, I, I gave them the qualifications. I said, okay, if I do your wedding, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to read Scripture. And they said, that's okay. And, and um, I, I had another Hindu couple that liked it so much, they said, would you be willing to perform our wedding? And and I said, as long as you have a marriage license. And uh, then the reception that I went to, I, I think I was the only non-Hindu there. I was out of my comfort zone. And, and the food set a fire burning in my mouth that has just only recently gone out. <laughs> and that was years ago. But it's amazing the things that God can do through us when we allow Him to use us to do the things that are out of our comfort zones. You know, I've been so blessed by God. I've been able to travel to a lot of amazing places in several dozen different countries. I've been able to experience a lot of unforgettable things. But there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing as fulfilling to have God put His special anointing on us and empower us and use us to help make a difference in someone's life. 
You know, the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, and I paraphrase it, God scans the planet like a radar wand and, and he sees people who need a touch. He sees people who are hurting. And, and do you know what he's looking for? He's looking for someone that's praying the dangerous prayer of use me. And then he hooks you up with that person in need and you walk away feeling like a million dollars because you allowed the king of the universe to use you. Well, there's one more prayer that I believe we need to pray on a daily basis. And this is probably the most important prayer of any. That's the prayer of fill me. Now, I think the greatest difference between the early church and the church today is that the early church not only believed in the filling of the Spirit, but they experienced it. In Acts chapter 2, saved believers who had already made a commitment to Jesus experienced the filling of the Spirit. I think that all of us here would at least in some form believe in the filling of the Spirit. But I'm afraid that because we've made it into something that it isn't or we've held to it as an experience that is pretty much unreachable for the common person, there's been confusion around it. Because of that, we've kept our distance from this beautiful thing that God offers all of us. And we're afraid of what might happen if we receive the Spirit. Because when we pray, Lord, fill me, we're essentially asking God to empty us of ourselves and we're asking God to fill us with Himself. And too many of us, we're afraid that at that point we will lose our freedom and we'll have to change and no longer have any fun and we'll become stiff and starchy and boring people. But much to the contrary, when we are filled with the Spirit, that's when we truly have life and have it more abundantly. That's when we have true freedom. That's when life takes on new meaning and we have joy and peace and all of the other fruits of the Spirit. And upon being filled by the Spirit, shallow Christianity goes out the window. At this point, our priorities reflect God's priorities. Listen, at this point, our devotional life, our church attendance, our spending habits, our addictions, our attitudes reflect Jesus Christ. And when we finally climb out of the driver's seat and give control to the Holy Spirit. Because did you realize Jesus wants to be more than just a Savior? He wants to be your Savior. He wants to save you from the fires of hell. But He wants to be your Lord. And when He becomes our Lord, we sing about that, that's when we experience victory in Jesus. This is where you really truly get a life. So my challenge to you for the month of October, this is a challenge. I'm asking that you pray these six dangerous prayers. And there's a bookmark in here. You can just put in your Bible there to help remind you of the prayers. God, search me. Break me. Stretch me, lead me, use me, and fill me. You know what? I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think I will. Would you just stand right now? And if you're willing to go on a journey where God begins to do something in your life, where you're stretched, where you're broken, where you're used, where you're led, where you're filled, would you mind just coming and saying, God, I'm going to 
start out here this last Sunday of September as we move into October. I want you to do something special in my life. Would you just come forward and stand right here? If you truly have a hunger and a thirst for more of God, could we just pray together and ask God to do something extraordinary? Would you pray that God would expand your borders, our borders, our church's borders? Oh God, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul and the prayer life that he, he gave and that he had. Lord, I thank you for other writers in the Bible that emphasize the matter of prayer. God, take us on a journey, unforgettable journey during the month of October where we pray these dangerous prayers and God, that you would begin to do something extraordinary in our lives personally and in our families and in our church and in our community. And, and God, I pray that people would see Jesus through all of this. And oh Lord, Lord, I just pray that casual Christianity would go out the window. I, I pray that shallow Christianity would go out the window. God, I pray that just being comfortable not being used by you, that that'd go out the window. Lord, I pray that those times where we're comfortable worshiping you, but allowing other gods in our lives, I pray, Lord, that we would be, as you search us, we would be so convicted. So, Lord, I don't know for sure where you're going to lead us this October, but I just have a sense of anticipation that it's going to be good. Lord, if we can just follow you, if we can just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And, Lord, we're asking you, Lord, uh, just shape us, mold us. God, do something amazing. Lord, thank you. Thank you for taking on us on this unforgettable journey that will... Help us to see Jesus better, but also help people, other people, to see Jesus in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go back, would you just throw up that next verse there on the screen? And on the count of three, could we all just pray this prayer together? One, two, three. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And would you just say amen? amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.